0: For more information about Noise Filter, your public health podcast, and to watch and share our incredible informative animations, please visit us at noisefiltershow.com. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to leave a review on Apple
1: Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to us. So let's get started. COVID-19 has left over 10 million children
0: orphaned. So the COVID-19 pandemic is leaving lasting implications on many aspects of healthcare, politics and society. COVID is still killing over 400 people a day. Many are suffering from the psychological stressors that the pandemic has brought on, especially the children who have lost a parent or caregiver. The COVID-19 debt toll is largely publicized and talked about in news sources as well as by policymakers, but the children orphaned as a result of COVID do not get the same attention.
1: A new modeling study published in JAMA estimates that over 10.5 million children worldwide have lost a parent or guardian as a result of COVID. India, Indonesia, Egypt, Africa, and Southeast Asia were the regions that were the most affected. This model estimates that 7.5 million children lost one or both parents and roughly 10.5 million children lost parents or caregivers. These numbers add to the 140 million children who were already orphans
0: before the pandemic. Losing a parent or guardian is extremely difficult and a traumatic experience for a child. Research has shown that orphaned children are more likely to suffer from mental health problems, physical and psychological abuse, as well as chronic illness. Dr. Susan Hills, an epidemiologist and co-author of the study, urges governments and policymakers to take action. Decades of research on children who lost a parent during the HIV epidemic reveals that there are three foundational aspects that are essential for helping orphan children. Educational support, economic assistance, and assistance for the remaining parent or caregiver. Identifying and providing these resources to these orphaned children is paramount to help them recover.
1: As of right now, the United States and Peru are the only countries who have action plans and have made commitments to helping those children orphaned by COVID. But Dr. Hillis and her team are working hard to bring awareness to this new research to other countries and policy makers. The pandemic is not over, and unfortunately more children could lose their parents. However, putting proper policies in place and pledging support now will hopefully provide a foundation that allows these children to recover. As a society, we need to do our part and advocate for the support of these orphan children, especially in the wake of this pandemic. And if you know of a child who has lost a parent or caregiver, you can visit the website of the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychology for a list of resources and ideas about how to support them during that difficult transition.
0: You know, this is the 1st time hearing that the U.S. has a plan. I I was going to
1: say that shocked me right there.
0: My cynicism toward our lawmakers and policymakers in the U.S. is so deep Mm -hmm. that I am actually like, I need to see that plan. And also, you know, right now I'm preparing a a lecture that I have to give next week in Baltimore at a conference. And part of the lecture I was asked to do was to evaluate our ability to prepare for future pandemics. And the answer is there's zero likelihood that we're going to have any success whatsoever plan for future pandemics because there is no plan of action. There actually is a plan that's in Congress that's actually very good called Prevent Pandemics, and it's just sitting. And guess what happens uh, come uh, November? Uh, We have a midterm. We go into a, a lame duck session. Then come January, all of those bills get wiped out and have to start all over again. It's actually a decent bill. It actually does the right things. It would codify into law Ways that we would be able to prevent pandemics moving forward, being able to streamline data, strengthen the public health infrastructure. It's got the things that need to happen. So while there may be a plan in the US, I'm afraid that it's probably just like this other prevent pandemics bill that's sitting in the Senate right now and is not moving at all because of just the inertia that our society has allowed ourselves to, to fall into so that being said let's also say that in South Africa there are a number of nonprofits there used to be but certainly coming out of the 80s and the 90s there was quite a number of nonprofits. Whose sole purpose and mission was to care for orphan children who lost both parents due to HIV and AIDS. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a serious thing, and this is something that we really do need to appreciate. Obviously, it should go without being said that children are the future of tomorrow. That's mm-hmm. a very obvious statement, but we need to, as a functioning society, how we care for those that are most vulnerable mm-hmm. is how we are judged. Mm-hmm. And I really do believe we're going to be judged harshly in the future for the lack of preparedness for pandemics, for the lack of preparedness for climate change, and for the lack of care that we've given children as they have experienced the most traumatic experiences in their lives. How our brains generate fever. When we get sick with an infection, our brains raise our body temperature, giving us fever. Over the years, scientists have been trying to find which specific parts of our brain cause fever. Knowing how fever is caused is important because rising body temperature and appetite loss are okay in moderation, but can become harmful if not tended to quickly, or if they continue to rise past typical highs.
1: And to access this, researchers performed an experiment on mice, hoping to zero in on the section of the brain which contains the fever generating neurons. They started by activating 12 different areas of the brain, one at a time, until they noticed that about a thousand neurons clustered together in one area that seemed to be the fever inducing culprits. These neurons are located in a very small part of the brain, and the scientists suspected they could cause both increased warmth as well as activate circuits to decrease body temperature. To test these neurons, the scientists began recording brain waves from sample mice, but used a special molecule to inactivate the region they had identified, then injected the mice with bacteria, which would result in a fever response. The bacteria set off an alarm that sent signals traveling across the entire mouse's body. However, with the inhibiting molecule being present in the mouse's brain, the neurons remaining inactive, the mouse's body temperature remained
0: normal. To further verify their conclusions, the scientists activated the neurons in the mouse without the presence of the molecule this time. The mouse body temperature increased. They found that these neurons didn't just cause fever, but they were the cause of the sick behaviors. Once the neurons were activated, the mice sought warmer areas, ate less food, and exhibited other symptoms of mice sick with flu-like illness, even though in reality, they remained healthy.
1: This study provided incredibly useful information for scientists and healthcare professionals, as well as for anyone suffering from an infection-induced fever. First, it proved conclusively that a fever doesn't come from the bacteria or virus itself, but is part of the brain's and immune system's own efforts to fight it off. These discoveries may lead to a future where we are able to avoid fevers by using other mechanisms to activate the immune system to fight illness, while leaving the fever-inducing area of the brain suppressed. After concluding their research, the scientists suspect that there must be other neurons in the body that detect foreign molecules entering the body and send signals to different parts of the immune system, either activating it or suppressing it. The researchers plan to continue their studies on how these signals influence the experience of being sick and the behavioral changes we experience.
0: Thanks for listening to Noise Filter, your public health podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Noise Filter podcast, follow us on social media, and leave us a review letting us know your favorite part of the show. You can find me, Hope Pickerson, at Pickerson.com. And you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at the Dr. Derry. That's D-R-D-E-R-Y. To
1: see and share our amazing animations and find out more information about us, the show, as well as links to our social media, go to noisefiltershow.com.